Well, good morning. I'm Tamara McDaniel, and this is Plant Experts live at Prairie Gardens. You can join us in the store, and we'd love you to, actually. It's at the corner of Springfield and Madison, Champaign, or Spring, yeah, Springfield and Duncan, rather, and uh, that would be 3000 West Springfield, Champaign, if you wanted to GPS it. Or you can join us on the phone at 356-9397, even text us at 351-5357. Our plant experts are standing by, including Marianne Metz. Good morning, Tam. Good morning, Mary. This is Champagne, right? <laughs> yeah, I know Ch you've been doing a lot of traveling lately. Good to have you back. Thank you. You're welcome. John Weisgarver. Good morning, Tamara. Good morning. Good to see you and Steve Brown. And good morning to you. Good morning. Well, got, nice to have the gang all back together. I know, Marianne, you've been busy with hosta conventions? Yeah, the uh, National American Hosta Society National Convention. Oh, wow. It was in Philadelphia because that's where it started. The society started uh, at Swarthmore College um, 50 years ago. Wow. So oh, wow. It's, it's 50th a 50th anniversary is pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, that's it awesome. Is. It is. I, I, was, I was in kindergarten when that happened. Absolutely. Yeah. I was going to ask if... Nobody laughed. <laughs> no, I think we're all... I was we're, busy we're all just doing my the own math. excuse. We're just doing the math real fast. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> just let it go. Maybe not so fast. <laughs> Whatever. You know, when you think about it, 50 years is amazing, but it's almost surprising to me that a group like that hasn't been around even more than even 50 longer, years. I know. As popular as a category of plants. It's supposed to be the most proper, popular perennial in gardening. Really? I, I think it still is. It, it, had, it was for a lot of years. Yeah, I mean, if, I, you, if you think, okay, that was only from the 60s then. Right, 68. And you'd think... That could have been back after the turn of the century, even sure. perhaps. Yeah, or peonies, nineteen hundred, the wow. peony society, yeah. nineteen hundred. Daylilies, um, a, a little bit older than peony or uh, hosta, but not quite as old as peonies. So, because you've traveled worldwide looking at gardens, how do you feel like the hosta is revered or collected? I'll just say in Europe, whether it's the, the continent or England or. What, whatever. How do you feel like it's handled overseas relative to peonies and some other? You know, in Europe, uh, people have been gardening for lots longer than we have here. So there's a lot of things that we think are just nifty that they've been doing for maybe a century. Been, been there, done that? <laughs> yeah, been there, done that. Uh, Great Britain, um, by and large, has a pretty good... A strong following for hostas. Um, and, and, yeah, for hostas. And there are pockets all over Europe. In fact, this um, national convention uh, usually gets people from five, six, seven different countries around the world. Um, let's see. Certainly Japan, uh, where they're indigenous to, hosta are indigenous sure. to Japan, um, or some are, in different areas of um, Eastern Europe, and not so much in Western Europe, except perhaps for England and Great Britain. But, hmm. um, yeah, it's kind of interesting to see where they're popular that and where they're cool. not. Well, it's yeah. like here. Uh, nobody in California cares because, they, you know, right. they, they don't grow them so well because oh. it needs to be cold f for them. Okay. So, and the desert southwest, ho-hum, and, you know, on and on. Okay. So, obviously, if you're saying so many are indigenous to Japan, it'd be northern Japan or mountainous regions. Mountainous regions, certainly. And not southern, low regions. Probably not. I actually don't know the regions of Japan as well. Um, one of the members of the society, Mark Zillis, who who um, is used to be a tissue culture uh, person in Hasta, um, traveled extensively in Japan, 
learned the language, um, just made great connections and found a lot of new plants traveling like that and exploring um, out, out in the mountains and the wilderness as well as in people's gardens. So, yeah, they've had this for 80 years and it belonged to mom and blah, blah, blah. So he was able to bring some of those to the, to the world and to the market. But uh, he knows an awful lot about them. And he's from Illinois. Went to the University of Illinois, in fact. So. That's awesome. Yeah. Illinois. I mean, what's amazing to me, if you, if you might just have a hosta or two in your garden, you know, you might think, oh, boy, there's, there's a lot of varieties. There's 20, 30, 40, 50 varieties out there or something like that. <laughs> Once you start to get into it, obviously you realize there's not just hundreds, but there's thousands, thousands of varieties. Thousands. And, and from a practical standpoint, if, you ha- if you're a hostaholic, you're going to chase as many as you probably can. Sure. Got to have one of all of them. And which, you know, because you collect them. And if you're not necessarily a hostaholic, but you're just an avid gardener and enthusiast, and if you have the right growing conditions for hostas, some a little bit more sun, some heavily shade, some in between, it wouldn't be uncommon for a, an avid gardener who's not a real collector to have 10, 15, 20, oh, 25 varieties sure. in their, yeah. in their Absolutely. yard. Yeah, pretty Absolutely. much. I, I use them more for color and texture because I like I like to, to do groupings Absolutely. and and contrasting colors with plant dif- different plants. Sure. And I'm not so much about the collection, but 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 then all of a sudden, you once are you, now. but I am because you know all of a sudden you see this one has this different colors on the leaves and the and the you know how it's going to go with this other other plant with the ferns. It's going to contrast. So exactly. So yeah. And really exactly. Make a pop. As, as a landscape designer, I think it's one of the uh, best landscaping tools. In a shade garden, certainly, because of what John just said. There's so many textures available, sizes, colors, just as really a phenomenal shade plant. But then there are people who say, oh, yeah, it's just another hosta. Well, you know, the hybridizing now has has become so refined that uh, people are are hybridizing for very particular traits, you know, like a wavy edge or a red leaf petiole or, you know, just different things, different colors, that kind of thing. Um, it, it, and, and they're much better performers. Just They just are very striking plants. And tetraploids as opposed to diploids, and that's about the genetic part of it. And um, they're, they're, It's like daylilies. It's the same thing, uh, tetraploids and diploids. But you, you start getting better performers and, and more robust growth. And it, it's really interesting. Okay, putting you on the spot. Uh-oh. If you could only have 10 hostas in your yard Ooh. that were commonly available in the trade. Ooh. Well, I can tell you the top one, probably stained glass. Okay. Why, why stained glass? Uh, what, it, I mean, that came out of your mouth so fast. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking at it yesterday. Um, it's really a very striking color combination, but... Beyond that, it's it's out of the planogenia, the the species planogenia within the uh, hosta genus, and it tolerates more sun than almost all hosta. Now, it's not going to be in full sun all day long. No hosta does that. It might look good through June that way. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But then, but <laughs> if then you water July, it every day. <laughs> but then July, August, it's going to start to look a little they, bit They do start worn. to burn. Any hosta can probably perform in the sun, but they're really going to look beat up and, and really stressed all the time. Uh, instead of performing at their best, they, they really do perform much better better in, in shade. But stained glass can tolerate more sun. So I think I have mine in probably four hours of direct morning sun. And the color is just stunning. That's awesome. It just grows really well. And, and because it's out of planogenia, that's the one that people called um, August lily. Yeah. The big white flower. 
long, very fragrant. Yeah. So almost all of the planigenia, anything that comes out of that planigenia usually has a fragrant flower also, <coughs> which I, is cool. I don't particularly enjoy those in the landscape from a clutter standpoint. I, I kind of get a little John Weisgarverish and say, that's out of control, got to cut them. But they're fantastic to put in a, a vase and bring inside the house for fragrance. That's exactly right. Oh. I, I cut all my flowers off, too. I don't, I'm not particularly fond of pasta flowers. If, I, and I'm sure there are people out there gasping, you do what? <laughs> <laughs> Hybridizers, certainly, uh, because that's, that's how they hybridize. You know, they collect the pollen from one and put it on. But, uh, the, yeah, the, no, they I'm, look I'm, nice right now, but I'm about ready to get out my yeah, I, I, I pruners. Think, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, yeah. Right there with you, honey. Yeah. <laughs> And, you know, speaking of the sun tolerant, uh, mm -hmm. that's the number one question. What hosta oh, sure. can we plant in sun? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just almost impossible. Okay, so today, right now, stained glass came out of your mouth yes. as the first. What would be a, a second or a third or a fourth commonly available in the trade favorite hosta for you? Oh, you are putting me on the spot. Um, Lakeside Paisley Print which is uh, lower growing, but a very unique uh, color pattern in the leaf. And so because it's a little more flat, uh, you see that pattern, just, it's just really beautiful. And uh, we had some, I don't know if we still do, but we did have some. And I think we still have stained glass, I'm not sure. I think so. And then everybody likes some in substance because- Understandably. It's, yeah. so yeah, we, when I travel, with the hosta thing, we go into private gardens and, and public gardens too, but probably that I'd never hear of or, or have the opportunity to be in. So in Ohio, I went to this uh, grower's um, garden. It was on his property where he sells plants. And he had a summon substance that measured 12 feet across wow. one plant. One plant. 12 feet across. It's a very large oh. leaf hosta. It's probably, it, it's over a foot wide and maybe a foot and a half long, each leaf. And it, it's just amazing. And it gets kind of Do a... Do they normally get that large? Yeah, they do. They, they just... Wow. Most people either don't live in the in the space or don't, or don't have yeah. enough room for it to get that large yeah. or whatever, and you just wouldn't see it. But the first time I ever saw one was in Birmingham, Alabama, which was also my very first hosta convention. And it's really hot there, and they don't have the cooling period that's really necessary, but they still grow okay because it's at the end of the Appalachians, you know, and it's okay. a little elevated, but it, they do okay. The sum of substance was about two feet uh, wide and two feet tall, so much different. So the growing environment, I can't imagine what they'd be doing in Minnesota and, and northern Michigan because they love that cold weather. Oh, wow, yeah. They're probably like... The spreading all over the monster that ate New York. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's very yeah. awesome. And yeah. we have a tremendous selection of hostas on sale right now, thirty yes. percent off. Too. Yeah, I mean, that's a lot know. of great choices. Probably forty or fifty varieties in that grouping, maybe something like Probably that. Probably, I was wow. just perusing them to see if there's anything. A really good selection. <laughs> and we've had a lot of fresh material come in this week, and I know it's going to be hot again today and uh, so maybe you're not planting and digging holes today or if you're doing it early in the morning or whatever but all you have to do is if you've got a spot for some of these things is water them probably every day in, in the containers yeah and you know if it cools off in a couple three days and you feel like going out there and doing some work you can yeah. get them in the ground at that oh, point yeah. <clears throat> but we got a great selection of butterfly bushes um, that's beautiful though some really nice varieties from proven winners and they're a really oversized gallon pots and they're on sale for 13.97 um, and I know we have uh, several in the uh, Lo and Behold Chip series. Mm -hmm. I think we have Lilac Chip and uh, Pink Chip. 
been Blue Chip Blue Junior Chip. and uh, a couple of good ones like that. And then we have some full-size ones like Miss Molly. That's uh, my favorite one. You like that one? Yeah. I love the color. And actually, I, we were carrying some in here to talk about. That's the taller one over here. Tamara? That's the Miss Molly? That's Miss Molly. Oh, it's a beautiful color. color. It's actually got a decent fragrance. It's a nice deep purple. I mean, yeah. I, I was had him, you know, carrying him in my arms like that, and I'm feeling, wow, I think I just smelled that, John. And, and it's like he verified. Yes. Yeah. There's a, a nice little scent to that It's one. very Great. fragrant. That's nice. And, of course, bees and butterflies and hummingbirds would just adore these things. So, anyway, a great group of uh, Boudlea on sale at thirteen ninety seven and one gallon. That's pots really a beautiful color. In, in bud and bloom right now, and then we've got some uh, hydrangeas in from Proven Winter. Also, we've got Little Lime and Bobo and Limelight, Mini Mauvette, and Invincible Ruby here. Isn't that cool? That's oh, cool. And those are on sale for fourteen ninety seven. And just and again, everything except Limelight is in bud and bloom right now, showing great color. So you could get an instant kick. And you could even pull a Marianne if you didn't have a spot that you knew you wanted to put it in the garden right now. You could even put it in a larger container with some other flowers. Oh, why not? Enjoy it. Oh, and I then this fall, this fall transplanted it into the ground, you know, when you're ready. If you say, yeah, I don't want to dig a hole over there, but I've got a large pot. I'm just going to enjoy it in. Enjoy it because the flowers are going to last for not just weeks, but many, arguably many a couple weeks. months. Well, yeah. I mean, you spend that much on some annuals to put in your own pot. Oh. What's the difference? Yeah. You know. And then you got a permanent plant that you can transplant out to the garden. Absolutely. We've got a great selection of grasses, too. Uh, we've got some yeah. one-gallon grasses and some threes. Uh, here's the big threes, oh, Tamara. Beautiful. And this one. The one with the purple. Well, this one's actually in the combo pots at 40% off. Okay. Okay, that's what that one is. That's but even better than 40% off. I like well, that. Well, actually, these are 40% off. These large grasses are, too. But oh, wow. these are fresh. They the just came out of the greenhouses. And this is zebra that. grass. Yep. Oh, okay. And with the spots. And talk about when you have early morning light or late afternoon oh. light on an angle coming through your garden. Yes. Those spots just illuminate. Yeah. I can imagine. Just because I can kind of see them, you know, with the sun coming through the it's window just, behind it's them just so now. It's so cool, yeah. But those are seventeen ninety seven. They're normally twenty nine ninety nine, and three gallon pots. So they're really good deals. And then we have some one gallon grasses. <coughs> I think uh, we decided that we didn't get the prairie blues, but we do have the little blue stem, and then uh, Carl Forrester, Maiden, Hamlin. Uh, so the, those are all five ninety seven in gallon pots, and they grow so stinking fast. And next year it'll look like one of the three gallon grasses. Wow. Yeah, that's exactly well, right. Yeah. This, this is when grasses are really showing off right now. They just look stunning right now. In Long the, days, heat. Uh, yeah, they love it. They do Absolutely. well. And then we have we extended the echinacea sale and brought some more fresh ones in. Yay. 30% off. And so we were running low on some of the red colors and the yeah. burgundies and orange. And we got a nice little infusion of those colors to go with the purples. And yeah, I believe yellows. I touched every single one of them. You believe you did? did you? It felt <laughs> like it, huh? I did. <laughs> And they're all the better for it. And those are thirty percent off. And then the, we have a great selection of coreopsis at thir- at forty off. And then uh, of course the hostas that we mentioned at thirty off too. Uh, all the rose bushes are fifty off starting today. Yeah, it's not cool. Oh, yeah. yes, that is cool. So, and especially including that one, that new one, that at last yeah. shrub rose. Yeah. That peach. Oh my gosh, I have three of yeah. those in my yard, and loving it. Uh, oh, yeah. 
They smell so good. And it's such a, here's what I'm going to say, fresh peach color. Oh. Fresh peach color. Beautiful. It's really pretty. And it's a, a double, not, not a single flower. It's a double flower, so they're really a little more showy. But the fragrance is just fabulous. And it's on, mine is on its second bloom cycle. You know, like the most shrub roses, they go through the cycles of blooming. Are shrub roses, are they a little bit easier to take care of, not as high maintenance? Actually, I think they're a lot easier to take care of. Oh. As a category, they're yeah. really what most people should be growing. Yeah. Yeah. And and you get that continuous or, or color throughout the whole season. This is close to the continuously blooming perennial that everybody wants. Close. That's close. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a shrub. But, and yeah. for the most part, they're more winter hardy, more disease resistant, and they're just because of those two elements alone. They're great for this yeah. area. What, can I say something about the winter Would hardy? You please, please. Okay, um, you. Th they are definitely much more winter hardy. But my knockouts, and I think we've discussed this several times this year, my knockouts, because of the, the season that we had early, February and March, I had to cut back, and I know I said this, that uh, to about one inch tall. I mean, they were they died back almost to the ground. But right now, they are almost as tall as they were when I cut them back and blooming their full heads off. Wow. So, you know, they're that tough. That's Shrub amazing. roses. That's impressive. Cool. Shrub roses. Tough. Pretty cool. Uh, hanging baskets. And combination planters are 40% off. Yay. And there's still really a nice Yay. selection out there's there. There's a great selection. Some nice fresh stuff. So if you need just a couple of quick pots just to drop on the patio yep. or porch, give you some color for the holiday or for the rest of the summer for that matter. Some really good deals. This container here that you're looking at with the petunias and the callies and the purple fountain grass is just like 17 bucks, I think, on sale. Cali, you mean Calibricoa? Very Ooh, good. That's listen right. to you. I have been researching this week uh, plants that are drought tolerant and can do well in icky soil. <laughs> icky in soil. Blucky soil. In like meh soil. Huh. And, uh, so yeah, I've been learning about vinca and calabricoa and portulaca and verbena. Portulaca. Boy, mm. there's a drought tolerant plant. For sure. Yes. Otherwise known as rose moss. Yeah, really or showing. moss rose. It doesn't Both. matter. Either one both but Call i guess it's actually in the rose family rosacea okay okay i guess that proves it <laughs> of course this is what i've learned online on the <laughs> internet so <laughs> take it with a grain of salt <laughs> no but, but yeah after the show i wanted to get a few more pointers from you guys as to kind of which direction to head uh, because the planter at the News Gazette building is not really doing well for those impatients. Did you put new soil in it? Well, yes, but the soil originally, even though we added peat moss and compost to it, uh, it it's still pretty, pretty rocky. Yeah. Rough. So, so in and our, you know, Mike in the morning, M Mike Kale offered, he was like, do we need fresh dirt? <laughs> And before I got into all of that mess, I said, well, let me wait. Let Wait, wait. Before we go there, let me see if there are just some plants that might adapt a little better for this environment. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> yeah, thank you. So, but um, while I still have the floor, real quick, I wanted to mention that on our text line last week, somebody uh, texted in, and they got in just a few minutes after we had ended the show, but they were wondering if uh, y'all had any service berry trees still in stock are they i don't believe kind of popular not we really? have a we have a, a a columnar shaped one 
That's a standing ovation. Yes, we still have standing that one. ovation. I bought one of those. Yeah. That sounds neat. It's a columnar form. It's supposed to get, I think, six feet wide, but then as tall as, as the regular one. It would be an exclamation mark in the garden. Exclamation is correct. How, how big do they get? 20 feet? 15? They're not it depends large, upon the species. Right? No, well, there actually is, there's one variety that we don't carry anymore that used to be a shrub form that was getting three or four feet tall. But, Great. We um, actually do have a shrub form. We do have a shrub form yeah. this year. That's yeah. what, is it five to six feet tall? I right? believe so, yeah. yeah. And then yeah. some of them get 12 or 15, and some of them go get 18, 20, 25, 30 feet tall. The single no, stem have a tendency really. to get uh, taller, the single-trunked ones, Okay. which we haven't had in a couple of years, I don't think, the right. single stem, because right. most people want the multiple stem. Autumn Brilliance is my favorite. That's beautiful. Incredible fall color. Just yep. Yeah, I love A little that. bit of red, just a whole lot of orange. Yeah. Yep. And talk about attracting birds. Oh, yeah. If you're a bird watcher, that, yep. that's certainly The robins and cardinals have. love the berries. They yeah. just, yeah. just and they taste, taste very much like blueberries. And the rabbits. I, I will say that, too. The ones that fall on the ground, we see them snacking on them. Really? For something sweet. Huh. Yes. Huh. Yeah. So, yeah, service well, I hope they. Trees. I hope they call us and find out. I can double-check the inventory. So. Well, when I responded to the text, I suggested that Kai call you directly, and you guys would love to help them out with all of the knowledge they might need for a service berry tree. Amelankers are one of my favorite trees. I think they're just so so cool, like the fall color. Is that the, the proper spring? name? That's the botanical name. I'm sorry. Yes. It's the genus. Amelanker. Amelanker. Yeah. Service berries are one of my favorite trees. I Like Steve said, the fall color is just stunning. They're truly Almost a four-season tree, as I'm always talking about bark oh, yeah. and how important that is. It has such a sinewy uh, look to it when when it doesn't have leaves on it. Um, spring, that those lovely yeah. soft white, white flowers. One of the earliest flowering trees. Yeah, around. and uh, great structure during the season, during the growing season. Mm-hmm. Um, the only place they wouldn't be my favorite would be if they were overhanging a deck or a patio, just because of the fruit drop. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, but not necessarily from branches. I have no. noticed that from mine. Right. It doesn't drop a lot of branches. Not, no, oh, no. So no, 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 no. It would just be the, the staining fruit, of the, the fruit berries. Yeah, of the no. berries. And, yeah. and not so many of them actually hit the ground because the birds love them so much. Mostly, yeah. yeah. So. Uh, I planted three uh, together in a in a in basically a row. So nice. That, uh, of the autumn brilliance. Oh, very nice. So it's Beautiful. the multi-trunk one. So I did it uh, so that once they get a little taller, uh, it'll be like a privacy screen yeah. to look into my big windows at nice. my house. And uh, but I also like the the structure of it. So yeah. so I'm waiting to do a little pruning. But uh, when they grow taller, then I want to have all these great gray branches growing up, and then I'll have basically kind of a continuous tree canopy on top. Mm -hmm. So I think it's going to look really cool. I think that will look neat. Yeah. It'll definitely be a structure. I can't wait to see how it turns out. Well, you're going (laughs) to have to wait a couple of years. You're going to have to wait a couple more years. Let's hope this show continues on for another 20 years so (laughs) you can find out. I've made it for five so far. (laughs) Let's just keep going. Yeah, the, the birds will dive bomb and strip the trees pretty quick. Of the berries. Oh, yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Which is fun. It's yeah, really, it really is. fun. It is. Actually, it's the squirrels, I yes. should say the squirrels like them really well, the berries really well, too. I see these silly squirrels climbing out to the My very end of My husband likes them. Well, yeah, if you can get to them. 
between the birds and the squirrels and the rabbits. Yes. <laughs> My husband went out and picked a whole bunch, and oh, then cool. he, he uh, soaked them in the refrigerator for a little while. And, and then ate them all, uh, right? And then, yeah, had fun nice. making a little jelly out of it. Nice. Let's go to the phone lines real quick and uh, talk to Gary in... Uh, yes. Well, good morning, Gary. How are you? Hi, I'm fine. I, I really have two questions. First of all, uh, I have a, a two-year-old Rosa Sharon bush. And uh, is it possible to move that to another location? If so, when would you do that? How tall is it right now, Gary? Uh, maybe four and a half, five feet. Oh, I think you can. If I if I was going to do it, I would do it early in the spring, uh, before it starts to leaf out. Okay. And the reason I would do it All in right. the spring versus the fall would be because they are a little bit more sensitive. Um, I think anything I can do to help it get through the winter. You know, and this last right. winter was a lesson on a lot of Althea Rosa Sharon's as far as spanking them down. Yeah. Uh, even killing a few um, was just kind of a reminder. So uh, if you had to do it this fall, I would. But if you could wait till next spring, that would be my first choice. I don't yeah. know how you guys okay. feel oh, definitely. about it. Yeah, I would agree. That gives you an opportunity to get the, the location you want to plant it in, the, get that soil ready, you know, amend it a little bit. Yeah, you could even dig the hole okay. now yeah. and prepare it or dig the hole this fall and prepare it and have it nice and loose and ready to go. And w when you do okay. uh, move it, I would go ahead and cut it back, maybe half in size or so, or a little bit more, even just to make it easier for you to work around it and have less foliage for it to have to support with its somewhat reduced root system. Huh. And uh, dig okay. as large of a root ball as you think you can handle. There you go. Yep. All right, thanks. Uh, second question, I have a hydrangea bush that's in a, a planter with rock, uh, mulch, and um, it seems to be uh, not tolerating the heat very well, but it's been doing this for like the last two seasons. So I first mulched it with uh, wood chips, but it still, it, it like requires watering every single day. I mean, it just wilts. And right now it's, it's blooming. It's got like six flowers on it. And it's a small bush. It's only maybe two feet square and about a foot high. It's not a it's not a giant bush, but the thing just it'll wilt. I watered it this morning, but it'll be wilted by the end of the day. How how long is Why, the sun on it every day? Well, it's in the southeast corner of the house. And so it we're assuming done. it's probably a, mac a macrophylla, one of the pink or the blue guys. It, on the th yeah, this is pink. Yeah, this one's pink because of the acidity of the soil or lack of acidity, whichever it is. Well, it's definitely too much sun for it to thrive. It's stressing every day. Okay. Um, so I, I don't know if you have another spot in the garden that you could move it to where it'd get a little bit less sun. Or if you should, yeah. My other, if, my other. If you were John, you'd the, have an excuse to plant a tree in front of it yeah, and shade I was it. Thinking that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have two in the back that are in the shade, more or less. They they get some sun, but not very much. But they don't bloom. But they, but they're much, they're much more tolerant to water. You know, than, same variety. Than the, one. the one in front is just yeah, exactly. Yeah, they, ideally they, you'd uh, get. Early morning sun or filtered sun during the day, but not shade shade to get flowering. Okay. On that type All right. of hydrangea. 
I appreciate the advice. Thank you. Thank you for calling in. Good luck with that, Gary. 356-9397. This is Plant Experts live at Prairie Gardens. I'm just trying to think. It, so it wouldn't be uncommon for anybody who has a macrophylla hydrangea to feel like they have to go out there and water every morning. And the, and the soil may be wet. You really may not to need to do that per se for the plant, but you're doing that because it's going to give that extra amount of moisture to try and have the plant recover or... Sometimes when you water, you actually cool things off. Yes. As it as it evaporates, you you make the environment a little bit more tolerable. But that that's why siding them is is so important. It is important. Yeah, I. It made me think when Gary was telling a story. Uh, there's a uh, house that's close to mine that has a, a row of hydrangeas in front of it, and it faces west. And boy, every afternoon they just. They're just as limp as they can be. Uh, and the next morning, they're just fine. So. Yeah. And ultimately, it's, for the health of the plants, though, that, that's not good. No, it isn't. Plants it's should, stressful. Plants should not wilt. It, it's just like people. You know, you, you're, you're subjected to that kind of environment every day, and mm-hmm. it just wears down on you. Yeah, so. it's, that's what's neat about some of these hydrangeas that we have in this group oh, yeah. on sale for thirteen ninety seven, is that they would tolerate more sun than the macrophyllas would. So even this Invincible Ruby would tolerate more sun, and certainly the Bobo and the Little Lime and all those guys would as well. That Invincible Ruby is new in the market. I am kind of digging it. I I think it's a nice kind of deep rose, would you call it? I would say yes, rose. That's very pretty. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's just like you were talking about the row along the the side of the house. Uh You, You don't realize how much heat that the siding collects oh, yeah. and reflects back onto the plants. Absolutely. Uh, I've talked with a lot of customers about that mm-hmm. and they you just don't you just don't fathom that that really happens, but it does. It sure does. It's a microclimate. Ta-da. So if you need yeah. something to be warmer to get something through. Oh, yeah, our zone envy issues, you know. We could yeah. do a zone 6 or 7 there probably. Yeah. <laughs> zone in that envy. microclimate. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of seeing a casual area here facing east. East, yeah. That would have Invincible Ruby, mm-hmm. Miss Molly, Ooh. and some Bobo. Nice. Just to lighten it up a little bit. Just nice. those three elements and nothing more than that. So you're just going to take this to the checkout right now and, and uh, buy it for home? Uh, yeah, that's the might have to get like three more of each I of gotcha. them. Yeah. Yeah. So well, that's the Bobo, I love the Bobo and not Limelight Bobo or Little this Lime. Is, this is Bobo. Oh. He's a little bit more. Bobo's great. It's it, newer. Little lime is one of my other favorites, and it's. I didn't grab a sample of it. It's just a little bit more greenish than than this than one. This one. Uh, Bobo is a paniculata, which is one of the more tolerant, more vigorous growers around here. Um, it's, but it's shorter. It's four feet, five feet. I think three to four. Three, oh, three, three to four. Yeah, that's yeah. it. So that's considerably smaller than most of the paniculatas get, which is really nice. Put more in your yard that way. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, because the others get you know five to six feet I or love, taller. I yeah. love yeah. the small yeah. white blooms along with the the beautiful green on, uh, on yeah. the Bubba. No. Bobo. Bobo. <laughs> Bubba. That's Bobo. coming out Bobo. next year. Oh, yeah. Like that'll, be, that'll be next. It's Bubba, a little more Bubba. coarse. <laughs> <laughs> but this really hasn't, this uh, Ruby Invincible, Invincible Ruby. Invincible a, Ruby. Invincible has Ruby. a really beautiful color. But that's even called, I mean, it'll take some shade, but you, to get more flowers on it, you want to have sun. And 
you know, if you if I was walking by it, I'd think ah, maybe some morning sun, maybe half a day sun. But I think this would actually tolerate quite a bit more because it's it's a smooth hydrangea, so it's in that arborescent species, like the common um, Annabelle that we've known for years and years and years. Mm -hmm. So it has that same quality where it takes a whole lot of sun and also tolerates some shade, but. The difference between this and these macrophyllas that we're talking about, and I would certainly want to have macrophyllas in the garden, these would be a little bit more flexible, a little more tolerant of more sun. And you're not just going to get one or two or three or four flowers on the planet one time. You're going to have tens, if not a hundred yeah, flowers on the planet one time. Very rewarding. Yeah, and this is not a big plant. Uh, this will be a nice-sized garden plant. It will tolerate things quite well. Okay. I, I just keep thinking. I really also. wasn't thinking about adding to that my toy list this week. But, but there you are. But that yeah, well. one next to like a lighter pink, yeah. or just various pinks. Well, I think that's why you're playing it with the whites Stunning. here, and then you get a completely yes. different shape flower in the butterfly bush, even though it's in the same family, and the foliage is enough different from a texture standpoint. I think you just got something going on there. Lovely combination. I think you need to uh, add one of the grasses to that too. Perhaps. <laughs> yeah. Oops. Here we go. <laughs> see what the designer says. I do have a question on, um, in today's News Gazette, it, uh, um, Ryan Pankow wrote about Japanese beetles. And he, he mentioned that, and I'm just going to read this directly, in most cases he uses, uh, or I use rather, enclosures such as floating row cover to keep beetles off. What is floating row cover? See that? If you were to stretch your neck around the corner here, okay. um, Sandra and Marianne are having a little moment here together. Um, uh, but it's around the corner, and it's that white harvest guard stuff. Oh, right over there. Okay. And that's what floating row cover is. Judy always, Judy Fair always used to say that you absolutely have to have floating row cover in your potting shed. Just one of those things. It's like it's like. A bag of manure. You got to have a bag of manure in your compost. Okay. Compost bag manure. compost. Of, of compost. As compost. I, compost. I always say compost. Judy More always said floating row cover. But hard to keep them on your tool belt, but yeah, they're good in it the is. tool belt. It is, <laughs> but you know you can try. <laughs> uh, so, so you're you're doing a. It's kind of like putting fencing around a a plant or a part of the garden that the animals are coming in to eat. It's a physical barrier, and and probably arguably the most effective. You just have to say. Will the fence work for me in terms of what I want to look at? Yeah. Will the floating row cover, even though it's a temporary thing, maybe a couple weeks, three weeks, a week, who knows? Yeah, who knows? Will it work <laughs> for me in terms of the appearance? Are you floating it above the blooms or just above? Uh, think of it as a giant dryer sheet. Okay. So, okay. So you need to take it a little bit kind further. Kind of than mosquito that. netting. Yeah. In a way. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I have an it's, image here. It, it, well, it, it's a similar. She wasn't getting it. It's a similar texture of the material, but obviously much larger. And it comes in like three foot wide pieces, and then there's some, I think, eight by ten or ten by fifteen foot pieces. Oh, great. So you can really you, cover shrubs if you can think, if you need to. think really hard and really focus on it, you can make it levitate right above. <laughs> but you need to make sure it doesn't float away to the neighbors. So you have to weight it down, stake it down, staple it down to some stakes if you want to do that. You can lay it on top of the plant if you want to do that. By laying it directly Tied on the up. plant, the only challenge is if the plant's not really sturdy, then if you get some wind and some rain you're kind of beating the plant up a little bit more too. even though it's very very lightweight and you know it's it's very very useful 
in the spring when we have that last frost. Oh, things yes. are up. That's what the floating row covers for. Instead of taking sheets and towels out there, which are heavier. Yeah. Okay. And and you're right. I have done the sheets before. Yep. Okay. Okay. So. But we'll the Japanese beetles are causing some cover. problems. They're spotty. Just because yep. your neighbor has them doesn't mean you're going to have them. Just That's because right. you don't have them now doesn't mean you're not going to have them next week. Yep. Um, and then in a few weeks ish, they'll be gone. And they don't necessarily do any damage to the plant, except that they just eat off of the Aesthetically, foliage. it's pretty They had their list of favorites. No damage except eating it, yeah. Right. <laughs> right. And if there is damage, it's to the smaller plants that maybe aren't as well established as some large ones. But aesthetically, on the plants that they like, they really riddle the leaves. And right. it could be a, a larger tree. It could be a cherry tree or a linden tree or it could be a rose plant. It could be a sassafras in my particular case uh, that they oh, riddled. they like your sassafras? They love sassafras. Oh. And, uh, I know they like lindens pretty well, too. Yeah. Grapevines. And what yeah, Ryan said in the article is they, that they respond to the fragrance of the plant. Not necessarily the fragrance of the flower, but it's the oils in the plant yes. that they, they can smell. Yes. So that, that was fascinating. And they're attracted to the feeding. So you have some feeding, then... Then more come. They come pile well, on. It's a party. Yeah. yeah. And then they have that pheromone that they attract each other. Yeah. So, so. You, if you kill them, you got to uh, re- remove them from the area because they continue to put off that pheromone. And that pheromone attracts even more, even though they're not even alive. So. Huh. I haven't noticed them yet, but on my asparagus. And they won't feed oh. and damage the asparagus. But last year, they were. it was party city. Whoa. I mean, oh. there was thousands just hanging out. Oh, I think they had an orgy uh, going on. Wow. But it's like, so I'm expecting they'll be out there. That's a lot of buckets However, of water. as Ryan points water. out, it is. It, only six weeks and then they're gone, right? Six Ish. weeks can seem like yeah. an eternity. Yeah, okay. When, totally. when, you're, when you're a Midwest gardener and you feel like you already have a short gardening season. Yeah. Okay. They're a pretty That's big nemesis. Point. Yeah. From our text lines at 351-5357, uh, someone asks... What is the uh, when is the best time to stop morning watering? Like right around this time when it's really nasty out and we have these heat index values that are so high. Uh, I I think you can stop whenever you're done. I don't think you have to stop. I, I mean, the only thing that makes sense to start early is the fact you'll have less evaporation, so you can get more bang for your buck in terms of the watering and have more of it get down into the root zone. But as far as if the watering persists till 9 or 10 or 11 o'clock in the morning. Then it does. It does. Yeah. And the, just try to keep it off the foliage as much as possible because sometimes yeah, right. the water will will burn. I, I always really? tell people. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons people want to stop earlier in the day is that direct sun on the water spots on your leaves on could, water drops. could actually burn it. So there's only a, a handful know, of plants I'd be probably worried about yeah, that on. Yeah, but I, so I wouldn't be so maybe, worried about maybe that. Maybe a certain Japanese maple leaf <laughs> that I'd be worried about. <laughs> and watering, mainly it's from a disease standpoint. You have when you don't have, when you have dry foliage going into the evening, you're less apt to get some of the fungus diseases uh, that are out there. So whether it's a vegetable garden or ornamentals and containers or anything else. But bottom line is, if a plant needs water, you got to go out just there and do it. You can't, yep. you can't just say, oh, that plant's stressed. I guess I better wait till morning, though. I better wait another 12 or 14 or 15 hours. Exactly. Don't. Mm-hmm. Water. Okay. It's, it's just one of the rules. Water it. is always first. Okay. Always. Good. Just but keep then. the foliage dry, like John was saying, as much as you can. All right. 
Wow, I'm still amazed that water can help it, that it would actually burn it somewhat. Um, plant. Sometimes. Kind of like a magnifying sometimes glass? Sometimes on yeah. Yeah. Like annuals, like okay. especially like hanging baskets that are up in the air. Yeah, it's yeah. good to know. It sometimes happens. It's not one of those not things that's just lot, a, like a routine reaction, but mm-hmm. you, you need to think about it. Okay. That's great. But it's more for, it's more for, that's when you want, don't want to water as night because you want the plants to be dry because that promotes diseases. So less air circulation. Less air circulation. The sun doesn't, there's no sun to evaporate the So if you can avoid watering in the evening, great. But if that's the only time that you have to water, just go ahead and do it. Absolutely. Okay. All right. This is Plant Experts live at Prairie Gardens, 356-9397. So um, I have to mention real quick, we have July 4th coming up on Wednesday. You have the coolest Independence Day finery here. (laughs) That's a nice word. Thank you. Finery for 97 cents and a buck 97. Seriously. Yeah, I already have one of those trays. I I grabbed one of those as soon as they came out. It's a hard plastic serving tray, or I suppose you could use it as a plate, but Mm -hmm. for a buck 97. And it's yeah, maybe what, ten inches by eighteen inches, something like That's that. That's pretty cool in yeah. size. And then you got the really heavy oval platters for a buck ninety-seven, and it's a I think an eight pack. An eight pack for a dollar ninety-seven. And then you got plates and yeah, napkins for ninety-seven cents. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm digging these cocktail napkins. I do. I like the cocktail. Yeah. Napkins. There's another excuse. Well, I, I like. I have the, a napkin. I guess you should call it. Better use napkins. it. I love the ra- the round cocktail plates, but I yeah. love the square ones with That's a pretty cool. flag in print on it. Yep. Just for some reason, it's very eye-catching. We Red, will white, be closed blue. July 4th, and I think we're open until 6 o'clock on Tuesday the 3rd. But okay. we'll be actually closed on Wednesday itself. Awesome. But uh, open, obviously, today till 6, tomorrow 10 to 5. Red, Monday, white, blue. Monday 8 to 8. 8 to 8. And then Tuesday? 8 to 6. 8 to 6. Okay. Yeah. So That's nice. Did you want to talk about a couple of questions we had this week? Yes. We missed that segment. You're right. Well, we've just been so busy. We haven't well, gotten to it. No, it's okay. We have about one and a half minutes. Go. So one, not just one person, but several people have talked to me about their squash are not setting oh. fruit. Oh. And. What did you recommend? Well, normally it's because it's too hot. Yeah. Our pollinators are not. It's been hot? Doing their jobs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or we just don't have enough pollinators. Maybe both, but, yeah. but the I heat. I think it's more of the heat issue. It's the heat. Okay. The heat is probably. It's the heat. Yeah. So is there anything that could be done for the squash? Aside well, from just watering, watering, watering. You can actually pollinate them yourself. With like a Q-tip or something? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So what you'll, what the you'll look, look on for. look your face is really. Well, she's like, what? <laughs> Didn't even think that. We're not pulling a joke. <laughs> no, I, I, I just feel silly. I didn't think of it at, for, uh, automatically. So. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sometimes you just have to do what you have to do. Yeah, you just yeah. got to do it. So a small paintbrush Q-tip kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, a lot of times, or usually the first flowers out of the vine are, are the male flowers. And if you look for flower the, the another flower there's like a little knob at the bottom and that's usually the the female that's going to produce the squash okay just in just common easy terms all right if you don't know what you're doing just 
touch every just go for it every flower with your paintbrush and <laughs> yeah, exactly. you know, it'll yep. all work out that yep, yep, yep. <laughs> so what yep. else has been yeah what else besides uh, squash Japanese beetles yeah you know Japanese we've beetles. already talked yeah. about that that's true yep last minute deals uh, all that 97 cent and dollar 97 red white and blue party goods uh Containers and hanging basket combos, 40% off. A great selection of grasses on sale for $5.97 and $17.97. Two different sizes. Great group of hydrangeas for $14.97. Great group of butterfly bush for $13.97. All fresh, fresh, fresh. That's great. Pretty Plus, cool. And and your all of your uh, veggies are also. Uh, yeah, it's getting kind of old news on those guys. Are they? Well, uh, <laughs> uh, just wait. I'm going to go back there and, and better late than never, right? That's right. Right. Mr. Weisgarver is going to make it never real soon. <laughs> <laughs> You've been listening to Plant Experts live at Prairie Gardens with Marianne Metz, John Weisgarver, and Steve Brown. I'm Tamara McDaniel. Our producer is Blake Landa. Have a wonderful weekend. <laughs>